Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Welcome back, listeners, to Reddit Club Podcast. I'm here with Lane Nelson. He is a master shooter in carry optics. I got to shoot with him recently at a match, which was really fun to watch. He's 19 years old, and he's wicked fast. Uh, Lane, I'm so glad you're on the show here. So thanks for joining me. Great to be on. Thank you, Mackenzie. Absolutely. Yeah, so I want to know, actually, like, when... When you got started, how old were you? And was that something you initiated or something like your parents, you know, said, let's go shooting or how that work? So I guess I'll start at the very beginning. So I was three years old the first time I ever shot a, a rifle or any type of gun wow. and scared the hell out of me. Uh, my dad took me out, shot a single shot, uh, 22 rifle, absolutely scared of it. Came out a year later when I was four, started shooting, loved it. We'd always go up. We have a camp in north central Pennsylvania. And we'd go up and, and shoot all the time up there, 22s and stuff. And then I got into competitive shooting around 10 years old, but it was more of uh, silhouette style shooting. So like the uh, chickens, pigs and turkeys and rams, that stuff shot out at Ridgeway Rifle Club, Central PA. Um, I think I made either double A or triple A class in um the hunter division, which is like basically a 22 rifle you go squirrel hunting with or something like that. Yeah. And shot that for two or three years, not a whole lot, but I just kind of lost the love for it, honestly. Um, just wasn't fast enough pace. And right about the time I was like 12 years old, I saw um, the Hot Shots TV show. I don't know if you're familiar with that with yep. Max Mitchell. Yep. And that was like the world to me. I watched every episode, make sure to never miss one, all that stuff. Um, Max was probably the biggest like inspiration to get into um, like action pistol type shooting. Oh. And that, that entire show really. And right around that age, I became infatuated with pistols, like 12, 13. Got my first 22 pistol, um, which I still have today. Ruger SR-22. I've worn out... I wore out two slides in a year, not even shooting, just dry firing out of a waistband and a cardboard um, mag carrier, like little thing that I put on my football belt. So, uh, yeah, I wore out both aluminum slides on that. And then, you know, I was just pestering my dad to get, you know, get a nine mil, let me compete. Cause it's like, I saw Max and I saw how dominant he was in everything and saw him shooting 2014 worlds and all that. I'm like, I want to do that. Like, that's, that's my path. I want to do that. And, um, in 2019, uh, we were, we were looking at different handguns and stuff. Cause I knew I wanted to compete in USBSA. Um, I didn't know what division I, I saw the rise in carry optics. Cause I did a lot of research, um, <laughs> on each division and stuff. And so I chose carry optics eventually. And, uh, 
research different guns to shoot, uh, priced out a Glock 34, a couple of different guns, and eventually came to a Kank, uh, TP9 SFX, and priced it out. And just economically, it worked for me. It made the most sense uh, to me. I could get it up and race ready the cheapest and the quickest. So in 2019, I believe April, for my birthday, my dad and I, uh, I think I actually gave him the money, but he bought it, uh, <laughs> bought the, the SFX. So I bought it and then in April and then competed in my first match in June. Um, but it wasn't a USPSA sanctioned match. It was just kind of like an outlaw, yeah. just good old boy get together type match. Um, I actually won the thing. I was 16, I think. Yeah, I actually won the thing overall in carry optics and in um, just overall against everyone. So that kind of got me hooked. I was like, okay, I might I might be pretty good at this. So uh, I went to two more of those matches that year. Uh, again, really didn't have any connection with USPSA yet. And then 2020 rolled around and I uh, joined USPSA and shot uh, USPSA sanctioned matches. And I shot three majors that year and then led into 2021 and then led into 2022. So... Cool. Okay. So kind of start so to finish questions. there. A little bit long-winded, but no, it's good. I have now a million questions on all that that whole process. Um, one of the first things I actually want to know: Have you told Max Michelle that he was your inspiration? No, I've never never met Max. Never spoken to him. Not not at all. Um, okay. There was a couple other guys, but Max was like the one that I saw yeah. first because of Hot Shots, and yeah. I was like, that's that's what I want to be. You know. Awesome. Yeah, so. I just had Travis Tomasi on the podcast. We were talking about how he had like a cameo appearance with Max in, in that show. Um, but that yeah, really yeah, was a did. catalyst. Right. Yeah, that that what that show was really a catalyst for a lot of people to see shooting, uh, which is really, I mean, like you said, impactful. So um, I think you should tell Max one day whether that's a DM or in person. We'll talk about nationals because I think that's cool to know. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope to meet him one day. Um, yeah, definitely. So hopefully soon. Would you be a fanboy or just like chill? <laughs> no, no, not not a fanboy of any of them. I, uh, if you want to know the truth, a lot of guys like bought, bought the P three twenty Maxes, and that for some reason just doesn't sit with me. I don't like buying anything, what whatever it is, with someone else's name on it. I I want to make my own path, and that's no disrespect to Max. All the respect to Max, but. Yeah. I just, I want to make my own path. I don't want to follow, I want to do it on my own. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to draft off of someone per se. For sure. But yeah. Now, some people might find that excessive, but. No, I mean, that makes it. sense. The, um, the question I had like too, when you were getting started in 2019 too, like you said, you gave your dad the money or whatever. How did you earn money or like pay off like firearms or whatever? Cause your parents obviously had a lot of support, I think for shooting, right? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of support there. Uh, a little bit um, uncertain in in the beginning. My mom was very like, "Where's this going to lead? Where's this going to go?" And uh, you know, I've always kind of said firm, like, you know, you need to do what you love in life, and you you can't always just be go 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 100 percent of the time and always be out there to make the next buck. You know, you have to slow down and enjoy, enjoy things, and not everything has a paycheck behind it. You know, I mean, this could at some point have a paycheck behind it, but right now, that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm just concerned about building my proficiencies, uh, introducing people into the sport, growing the community, all those good things um, in which I practice as much as possible. Yeah, so. yeah, that's awesome. So, but, uh, yeah. to answer your question, 
I, uh, I worked a couple different jobs. I did a lot of, uh, lawn mowing, lawn care. Um, I, my sister has a beach glass jewelry business. So I made, uh, like ankle bracelets cool. with her and they were like five bucks a pop and made a lot of money doing that because <laughs> we traveled all over the East coast. So, um, going to different craft shows and stuff, major, major craft shows, which I slowly grew to hate, um, just because it was, I, the first one I went to, I was three months old and I haven't stopped going. So I guess they, they, they were fun for a while, but you know, setting up and tearing down, everyone's like, Oh, don't you love it? It's like, it's, it gets old after a while because you know, it's like every weekend you're going to something, but you know, I, st- I still do enjoy some of them. Um, but that's kind of how I paid for everything. All my gear, I think total, like bar to entry for the pistol was right around um just under a grand like eight hundred dollars granted now i've upgraded my dot so it's probably right at a grand for the gun probably total like all gear under fifteen hundred dollars to get into it and that was kind of my goal was just to really really keep costs down because i knew with like not having full support from my family because they were kind of uncertain. This was new to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't get. Like, they're like, Oh, like father, like sons. Like, no, they weren't into this at all. I broke in completely on my own. Um, so yes, it, it was, I knew I couldn't spend a lot, you know, like I knew that wasn't an option. Granted, they've been super supportive over the years and I've gained support because they, they kind of understand the passion now and it's, you know, it's more smooth if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's go to the, the guns and the gear then. Um, I'm a huge Tannic fan. That's like something that's like public knowledge. So <laughs> I have the SFXs. I'm shooting the rifle now, completely stock with a Trigicon SRO on it. And I'm obsessed. So I took a class. How do you like that? Oh, I'm in, I'm in love. I mean, it's insane how that trigger, like normally I would switch out the triggers. I'm not going to touch that trigger. I might yep. light like um, the slide tension spring or whatever, and then do a tungsten guide rod, but it doesn't, it doesn't need it like to run doesn't need it shoots lights yep. out um i did weigh it down like i put a brass back strap on it you know from taylor freelance and put the brass base pad so it, it is a little bit heavier which is what i need coming from a 2011 world <laughs> um, yeah so you know what's your experience with the canic that you bought and um what have you done to yours uh so so um when I bought it, uh, I honestly didn't even shoot it stock. Uh, not one round for this has been stock uh, in to a degree. I haven't like, I haven't totally molested it in, in every, uh, which way, but so initially I bought, uh, I actually bought the, uh, I don't know if you can see here, but the Springco recoil management system. So it's a dual recoil spring, stainless steel guide rod. Yep. Um, I bought that before I bought the gun actually. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. So I had that before I had the gun because they're they're notoriously oversprung, and everyone will tell you that. Um, and that came with they had a, a little kit going on, so that came with their uh, the Springco striker spring as well. Uh, they have a twenty nine Newton striker spring, which converts to six point five one pounds, um, which is like drastically less than the stock one. The stock one's over ten, I think, and yeah. this is still stronger than an extra power Glock spring. So it, it'll ignite any and everything, um, but it lightened up the trigger significantly to where now I'm probably running at two and a half pounds. I've never put a trigger gauge on it. Is but, that the um, stock trigger though that you have on that one? Yes. That's just okay. the the stock, stock trigger shoe. It's cool. Yep. All stock. Um, that's, 
that's really it. Like a lot of people think I'm going to go into like major detail. It's like spring and uh, guide rod and striker spring. And that's it yeah. um, for, for like mechanical parts. Yeah. Uh, everything else, you know, like I got the SRO up top here. Which um, a lot of people don't know when you add mass to a pistol, especially a red dot, like that's going to take more weight for the slide to move. So you do need to change the spring out, especially if you're using like heavier bullets, uh, like 147s. I mean, it's, it's slower, right? So like, that's really important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the SRO, uh, and then I added, uh, the Taylor freelance, uh, brass backstrap here, which adds like three and a half, four ounces. They actually, both of those companies, Sprinkler USA and Taylor freelance, I picked up as sponsors. Nice. So, um, that's, you know, obviously very grateful to them. You know, I appreciate all their, all their help and all their encouragement. Uh, hopefully it'll make them proud here soon. I'm shooting the, uh, main match this weekend, the Trident Armory standby to fly. So hopefully we can make them proud there. Um, that's honestly it, you know, I've got the extensions, but I think everyone knows that from Taylor Freelance. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's assumed, um, a little bit of skate tape, but that's not, you know, for the most part, it's a stock gun. You know, a lot yeah. of people will think like you need something really tricked out to compete with and you don't, you know, the, the pistol I bought for $401 because <laughs> I was tracking it on gun deals. And it was funny. It dipped down to 383, I think. And mm-hmm. my dad and I were like, well, let's, let's watch it a little bit more. And then it went back up to like 450 and then it dropped and we got it at 401. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Don and pistol together, guns about a grand yeah. to get into it. So, you know, I think it's definitely important for people to know, especially in trying times, you know, as we are in now, it's it's not as expensive as one might think to get into yeah. competitive shooting. And honestly, this is more expensive than you even need. You could run a box stock Glock 17 or Glock 19 or, wh- or what have you, and uh, you can win matches with that. It, it's it's really the Indian, not the arrow uh, when it comes to anything that is uh, anything that's skill based. Yeah. Now, have you kept up with like Nils' uh, guns as well and what he does to his canics? Because it's not much at all. Yeah. Um, so I actually was like tracking Canic before he was even on the team. Like I knew like that's what I was going to get before he was even on. Uh, and then w- once he got added, obviously it was just like, it was just a whole other, like, yeah, just a whole nother, uh, positive to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I talked to him a couple times. Uh, I talked to Madaria five. Uh, I, have, I actually have a buddy that used to live, like down the street from Nils in Arizona <laughs> and he used to shoot with them every week. Wow. So they were really great friends, but they kind of disconnected uh, just cause he moved back over on the East coast uh, like five or six years ago. So um, we, we were talking about maybe planning a trip out to Arizona to shoot with Nils uh, this past winter just didn't work out. So maybe this upcoming winter. Um, yeah. I, I know he doesn't do much to the, to the guns either. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, pretty much ready to go out of the box you don't need to do a whole lot yep so what did you you figure out with your you know belt system magazine pouches was that something like you bought used or new or because that's Um, the budget as well that people think about yeah so i did my research on belts and what i kind of found is that like everyone's using the same material whether it's a double alpha or uh a blade tech which is what this is this is just a Blade Tech, I think, uh, speed belts or something. So it's like 50 bucks. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's got an inner soft belt and an outer stiffer hard belt. 
Um, I started out with a Smoky Mountain Concealment holster, and that was a really great holster. Um, but the tensioning screw I had some issues with uh, would come loose on me like extremely frequently. And I even used Loctite. I, I think it, it might have just been a lemon. But um, I switched to uh, T-Rex arms. So I run all the T-Rex arms, Mars Carrier and a Ragnarok holster. Nice. Um, I did have Blade Tech pouches before, just the El Cheapo. Like originally my setup was 50 for the belts, three mag pouches at 20 bucks a piece. So $110 for the whole, nice. whole shebang, uh, you know, plus the holster. So right now, probably with each carrier, 75, uh, it's probably like, 225 250 for the whole setup um right now yeah so that's what i'm currently running and just a blade tech drop and offset a lot of people i get a lot of crap for that because people are like it's a garbage hanger um but honestly i've it's like it works you know like i don't for you then there's no reason to make fun of it um, at all again if it works for you yeah yeah, run certainly. It. <laughs> because I mean, it is just plastic, and most people are like, "You need to get a good metal one." And it's like, it hasn't broken, it hasn't failed me. So, I mean, I, I don't need to really change. I don't see a point spending more money on it. But um, that's the setup. Uh, yeah, T Rex. I just wanted to kind of convert all my gear to T Rex, and that's what I did, even with my rifle stuff. Because uh, I re- I really love T Rex, and they're uh, support of the two A community, and I love what they're doing in the community, and you know, bringing people in and trying to support the growth of the community and people will rag on Lucas Bodkin and stuff. And I think at the end of the day, he's inspired more people to get involved with firearms and training and becoming more proficient than most people that rag on him will ever do in their entire life. But very true. Have you met him? No, I have not hoped no. to at some, some point. Um, people will probably say I'm a fanboy. It's like, I just look at data. You know, I'm, I'm going into mechanical engineering. I'm a data guy. I just look at the facts and, uh, make my judgment off that. So, um, no, I have yeah, his, his holsters and, and like you said, he, yeah. he is very controversial for sure. Um, Certainly. but like you said, he, he makes really good videos, very good instructional videos, and he does know what he's talking about. Um, he used to yeah. shoot a little bit of three gun back in the day. So I've, I've seen him at a couple different matches and talked to him. He's cool. I yeah. mean, just a young dude that started a business in his basement and the people that are hating are the people that will never do that. Right. Like he's so successful. So well, people, people always hate on success though. They'll always prey on your downfall when you're, you know, up on a pedestal. So, you know, and I don't put him on a pedestal. Like some people do, there are definitely fanboys (laughs) and I don't agree with fanboying in general, just because I think if you're, if you're so infatuated with a person that you're like willing to ignore faults and clear disparities, like that's kind of a dangerous line to walk. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the whole setup. Um, okay. So, uh, take me back. Like, I know you said that you shot when you were three years old and four and all that, but did you ever, um, get started like in steel challenge or shooting anything other than outlaw matches or just, did you go straight to USVSA? I shot one steel challenge match and um, let's just say I was not the happiest person that day. Um, it was like almost a hundred degrees uh, in Ohio. I shot with a buddy of mine and I was just shooting 22 rifle and it was just, it was a miserable day. So I think that kind of put a taint on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I no, I never shot steel challenge. Like I said, I got into silhouette shooting at about 10 years old and competitively shot um, out at, 
like I said, Ridgeway Rifle Club um, in Central PA, which is a massive uh, NRA club. They hold all their championships there. And I believe it's one of the biggest ranges uh, east of the Mississippi because you okay. can shoot out to 1,100 yards there. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I got started competitively. And then, like I said, I kind of lost an interest just because it wasn't, it wasn't as fast-paced. It was too centralized on accuracy. Yep. And accuracy is important, but, you know, fundamentally you need a good balance of both in my belief, unless yep. you're, I mean, if you're trying to be a 10 ring bullseye shooter in the Olympics, that's the only reason in my opinion to shoot bullseye, you know, or, or something of that sort, but yeah. Yeah. So did you ever shoot iron sights before putting the dot on the gun? Yes, I did. Um, okay. I shot iron sights for two months on the pistol and then a week before the match my first match in june of 19 i put on a vortex venom and then started shooting a dot and that dot i shot for a year and a half served me well but as most people know the led is just not bright enough on those it just doesn't last um so i switched to the sro and that uh served me extremely well I actually just changed the battery before the uh, Western PA championship. Uh, the battery was fine, honestly. I just changed it more out of like, you know, just uh, some extra better. insurance. Yeah, better to so, have it. Yep. Yeah, and that's the original battery too. That was in, so that's been in there for like year and eight months ish. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't and, go that long, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. So I honestly wanted to test it. Um, sure. But yeah, I just swapped it, so it's it should be good to go for another year or so now. Nice. So, okay, you've got the gun, you got the setup, we switch over to Trigicon, but just in general, like going back towards when you just switch over to the dots the first time, how did you, how did you know how to train yourself? Like, did you dry fire? Did you watch videos to know how to train in live fire? Like, how do you even set up like an educational system for you to get good? So, um, a lot of people asked when I started shooting, uh, pistols competitively, like, did I have a coach or you know, is this a father-son thing or, uh, you know, did I take classes or anything? And the answer is no to all of that. Like I didn't have a coach Dad hardly shoots. Uh, honestly, I can't even remember the last time he pulled a live trigger. If you want to know the truth. Um, and I, I didn't take any classes or, or anything like that. I mostly self-taught or, um, YouTube taught as if you will uh you know I watched a lot of a lot of Max's videos a lot of JJ Ricasa who's I think is another very inspirational guy um and Robert Vogel who was uh another a huge huge influence on me I would say um Robert Vogel Max Michelle um JJ and Christian Saylor were probably the biggest like influences uh on, on my uh outlook on shooting yeah. just because that's that's the people i watch robert vogel like if you if you look at my grip it's a robert vogel grip okay. um it's kind of like a mix though it's not entirely robert vogel it's like like 50 percent robert vogel 20 percent lucas bog you know it's like it's a it's a conglomerate of things i tried to like piecemeal like the best parts yeah. of every like pro shooter script and mash it together um Sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't. But no, you figure um, it out. That's cool. So, so yeah, videos so, and YouTube University is kind of exactly. what you. Okay. Yep. Um, pretty much. I think 
I think it's a wonderful world that we live in as far as sharing information and being able to uh, being able to soak up information at just a hyper fast rate. I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch thousands of hours of content on how to grip a pistol, how to pull the trigger, how to align sights, how to transition, how to reload, how to drop in the holster, all that stuff um, for free too. I mean, for the most part, free, obviously you have to have cell plan and cell phone stuff. But um, (laughs) I think, I think that's incredible. And I think that's partly why you're seeing a lot of this younger generation, like my, uh, my guys are accelerating extremely fast in the shooting sports because they have access to, they have access to the top tier guys. They have access to the elite guys, what they're doing, what they're training and how to fix their deficiencies where the guys that were in this years ago, it was more of like a step up game. It was like, learn from a buddy a little bit better than you. Then you found someone that was a little better than him, a little better, a little better. And you just kept, you just little by little chipped away until you got to the point where you could, you could self-correct and self-diagnose things. Yeah. And I think that process, it just took years and years to develop where now it's like you can develop that process in a week. You know, it's just, you can't compete with that. And a lot of the, when I started shooting, a lot of the guys that I met that were older, um, kind of were, I don't want to say discouraging, but they weren't encouraging. We'll say, and they, they said, you know, you'll be lucky to make a class and different things like that. And, you know, I made a masterclass like almost immediately and they, they haven't said anything since. So, um, yeah, but there's, there's mutual respect, between. there's no malice between any of those guys um, at all that. You know, they they grew up in a different time where it was a lot harder to build skill at an accelerated rate. You know, and now you can do it super fast. Well, what what intrigues me, I have to know this. So, like, you're 19 and obviously started this a little bit a couple of years ago. Like, how did you even develop the discipline for you to go get better? Like, most kids your age are not going to go out and spend hours on learning and applying it and then going to dry fire and live fire and Seriously, like, how do you motivate yourself? <laughs> I mean, it's honestly just, you know, I heard a while ago, and some people say this is a really cheesy, corny thing to say, but um, I forget who said the quote, but there's there's two, you're born twice, basically. You're born once, and then you're born again when you find your passion or what you're, what you're put here for. And I don't want to say that shooting is what I was put here for, because that no. seems kind of superficial. No. But I just kind of, like I said, when, when I saw those like hotshot uh, TV shows, kind of re- referring back to that again, um, that just clicked. I don't know. It just clicked. It's like, I, I want to do that on a, on a national level. And I want to do that on a world level too. You know, I yeah. want to, I want to go be like Max. I want to do that, you know? And I think that just sparked in me from a young age. And I just really haven't, haven't let it go since you know and i have other other interests people are probably like oh what do you do shoot every day it's like no i have i have a lot of other stuff that i do actually it's very hard to even like include shooting in a day-to-day life just because the amount of stuff just my whole family's a very go 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 type people you know we're always moving like we're in maine right now on vacation and you know we were just in kentucky shooting with you and trace and brennan decker and you know all those guys um a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, we're, we're always moving, always going. So yeah. Have you considered then um, going into the army marksmanship unit or is that a possibility or is it too late? Or yeah, I've talked with a couple of buddies about that. Um, just because of like your resources are like essentially unlimited in that. Um, 
I just don't think it's in the cards just because I, I've, I've already started into a college career and that's uh, engineering something I'm very passionate about as well. So yeah, that's something I want to do. So I, I don't think, I don't think the AMU is really possible for me um, that's just fair. because I'm, I'm kind of late in the game already. And then, you know, so. It's funny that yeah. you say you're late in the game. We say that we're late in the game. We're like, we wish we got started when we were younger. It's the younger <laughs> Man, if any of us start when we're young, like they're just so much better. <laughs> most most often, I don't know why, yeah. but yeah, there's there's. I mean, you can start. It's I'm definitely a believer, and it's it's never too late. Um, sure, but that's just something that's just not in the. I just don't see that in the cards for me. Yeah. So, so tell me about that. Like you're in the college career, like you said, and and trying to do shooting. I'm sure trying to have a social life, um, hang out with family. So how does someone, if, if, if they're listening to this and they're like similar in age with you, how do they balance all of that and pick and choose what to do? You know, um, I'm going to be totally frank with you. I suck at it. Uh, I am really bad at it. Uh, yeah. First year of college for me was, uh, hellacious, uh, to say the least <laughs> because I, you know, I was trying to balance shooting and going to the gym because I'm, I also really into fitness. You know, some people would say, you know, they can't tell whatever, you know, that's their own prerogative but um i'm into a lot of different things so it 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 was very hard for me to balance uh everything and then plus i had some health problems going on first second semester so that added on more complexities and more issues to deal with um i, I would say really time management is your biggest your biggest friend you know just being able to just stick to a schedule and be super strict and my mom's always said, you know, for the younger generations, you're either going to pay now or pay later. And unfortunately, college seems to be the most surefire way to to get a jump start in life. You know, and you pay now, grind through four years, yep. or you wait down the line, and then you have to, you know, you have to pay in some form or fashion later on. So, I, you know, I'm trying to pay now. It's definitely not easy. Um, yeah, time management and then get into a rhythm or a schedule. You know, I've always found like when I was uh, breaking into my second semester, I had a schedule going to the gym, going to school, everything that I was doing day to day. And when I was doing that consistently in a repeated pattern, uh, I it, it seemed a lot easier. Uh, just time flew by. Things got done more efficiently. You know, I was just more effective in all, all aspects that I, I wanted to be. Um, yeah, I would make a schedule, you know, get into get into a rhythm and just do it day in, day out. And you just get into a vicious cycle, but it's a good vicious cycle. And yeah. yeah. Do you think that other people your age uh, or just maybe around you don't like see how serious like shooting sports is or how far you are in the shooting sports or like value that? Like I just sometimes I talk to people and, and like their significant others or their family, like they just don't get it. I don't know if you feel that. Uh, yeah, I I definitely see that uh, in my own family. Uh, definitely different family members were skeptical of like, you know, where is this going to go? What is this going to lead to? There's no paycheck behind this. And, you know, it's unfortunate that like our society has developed to the point where it's like you have to constantly be thinking about like, where's my next paycheck? Where's the money coming from for all these things? Yeah. And but that's just the reality of it. You know, it's expensive to live and it's expensive to live free, you know, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, and do the things you love and want to, you know, want to do. Um, but 
yeah okay fair enough <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah that was, that was a complete train of thought i guess kind of got railroaded there i was like i don't, i forgot the question actually no i mean it was cool i mean it's like you're again it was it was neat i got to meet your mom and dad and they came all the way down with you to shoot kentucky and that says a lot when even after like juniors right like junior shooters will they'll be with their parents till they're 16 17 18 whatever and now you're 19 they're still like coming to see you perform yeah that's pretty neat yeah no i mean that was the first major match um that my mom has ever been to uh, and she she really enjoyed it she loved you she really she's like i really hit it off with Mackenzie. i can't wait to see her again thank so you uh you know and every everyone commented and she was telling her my sister's name is actually Mackenzie, and she was telling oh, my wow. sister about you and she's like you two get along perfectly and all that stuff oh. but um yeah so it's it's I definitely am extremely grateful for my mom and dad because you know as as skeptical as they might have been initially they're totally supportive now and right there with me but and I you know I don't I don't fault them at all for being skeptical because yeah. it's a very it's it's a very like uh atypical thing for like a 15 16 year old to just be so hardwired into you know competitive shooting or or just anything in general it's not you know, most most kids my age at that point were like you know going to uh the nfl for football or i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna do that you know the common things you see yep. and i just never i never fell into those categories i was always just more diversified in different areas uh, doing a lot of different things at once cool. um but super grateful they're there with me and i was extremely grateful to have them there at kentucky and they're both going to be here plus my brother and sister for the main state championship so awesome. really excited about that Cool. So, okay. The, the other thing that I want to talk about is like the mental game too. So like you said, you've got these external factors, school, the health issues came in to play all of that too. Um, how did you, do you read? Like, do you meditate? Like how did you put together your mental game to still perform? Um, so, I mean, I really, I don't, I wouldn't say I have like a specific uh, like outlet, I would say the shooting is more of the outlet, you know, because that's just something like when I'm on the range, it's just like, there's nothing else going on. You know, yeah. it's just like, okay, how can we improve this split time? How can we improve, you know, this deficiency? How can we make this movement more efficient or, or this or that? Just basically optimization, constant optimization on the range. Yeah. Um, I found the gym, you know, I have always kind of went to the gym, ran track all four years of high school. Um, Gross. That was, I love that a lot. That was just, you know, team sport, but also individualized. So that's kind of, I guess you can kind of see the connection with shooting there because, you know, you might shoot on a team, but it's more of an individualized sport, kind of like track. Yep. Um, really loved running track. I uh, was a sprinter, 100, 200, four by one. Um, played one year of football, but um, yeah. So I, I, I did a couple different sports um, and then those kind of led into the gym. Uh, and the gym, I think, helps definitely being able to build your body and, and maximize your potential in the gym and, you know, hit new PRs and different things. So I, I would say the gym is probably another outlet, another meditation, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot, very outdoorsy. Like I said, we have a camp up in North Central PA, so uh, very primitive uh, <laughs> pot belly for uh, heating in the winter. So we, we get a lot of firewood, do a lot of forestry work, logging, all types of that stuff. So, I mean, I really enjoy that. Really enjoy being out in the mountains. Mountains are my favorite oh, yeah. place in the whole wide world. So, yeah, um, 
big into snowmobiling and that's that's another yeah hardwired passion so there's a lot of different outlets i would say there's a lot Those of different expensive things yeah 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 i mean we got in again very cheap in the snowmobile my dad was a big time snowmobiler <laughs> from the 70s all the way up until 99 sold everything and then we got back in in 2019 with two old uh, 90s sleds. So we, it wasn't too bad. We, we got in pretty economically, but there's a lot of different outlets I have. Um, I wouldn't say I value one over another. But, so, I mean, um, that's like stress relief, sure. But like, so when you're at a match, say like you don't do well on a stage, do you bring it into yeah. that stage or like, how do you shut that out um, and perform? Yeah. Um, I don't, it's kind of difficult to, to like put into words, I guess. I don't have like a training method or, or a like regimen for doing that. It's more just, it's really just kind of in my head in the match, you know, like I, you have to, I guess, put it in perspective while you're in match mode. And that like, if you throw a mic on a stage uh, where you have 10, 12 other stages in a match, you can't allow that to affect you know, the rest of that stage, because I know a lot of different times I'll call a hit, I'll call a mic, but I'm already moving to the next position. Yep. So I have to leave it. So you can't allow that to affect the next position or the next target array, let alone lead into uh, following stages or days, because it just starts to snowball. You just start to get in your own head and mentally you just have to, you just have to erase it before every, every stage and just totally forget the last stage and it just take it one stage at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, it's kind of in the gym, I have the same thing, you know, really big into, you know, the big three squat bench deadlift and it's kind of the same, which with each PR that I would ever hit, it was always just, you know, one, one, one repetition at a time, you know, even if I was doing a set of five or six or whatever, it was each, each rep was its own, like whole contest, you know, if you will, or whatever. So you just have to take, take the match at one stage at a time and make each stage its own mini match, you know, yep. like, yep. And just have to have that reset button, you know, and part of that I think comes from uh, just your background and your, you know, how you're raised and, you know, mentally how, how you were, how you're wired and structured. And I've just from a young age, just always been raised to, you know, have that never quit mentality that, you know, don't, don't let things affect you to the point where you can't do better in the future, you know, because if that's just a, that's just a bad uh, way of planning. If you, if you end up at the end of the day, worse than you were at the start of the day, that's just a bad day. Yeah. It's not good in general. And you can apply that throughout anything. Do you read? Um, like for fun or what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you are very well-spoken um, and you kind of understand life from very many different perspectives. Uh, I was just curious, like who taught you that or if you read or um, podcasts, like I don't listen to many podcasts. I don't, I don't read like uh, recreationally, if you will, like a lot of different books. <laughs> um, I mean, I do a lot of different article reading. Sure. Uh, Okay, I would articles. say, okay. yeah, a lot of articles. There, not a whole lot of books. Obviously, my stuff for school, but um, <laughs> there's not a lot of diversity in that. Uh, I would say the the biggest thing for me is I had to. We'll just put it harshly. I had to grow up uh, really fast because my brother and sister are 33 and 34, 
Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad are, are both um, in their 60s now. So I had to grow up at a very accelerated rate because I had no I had no one around other than my friends, obviously. Um, you know, I didn't have that, you know, younger sibling, older sibling uh, relationship. So I, I was around, you know, 18 adults. plus adults yeah. my whole life. And, um, we had a pretty large extended family and we, we were pretty close and visited a lot. Um, uh, especially with my uncle and my mom's side, uh, very close to him, still see him all the time up at our camp. Um, but I think that was the main thing is that I had to grow up quickly and I'm, I don't blame anyone yeah. for that. Honestly, I would prefer that over. Prefer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just the reality of it. That's just how it was. And I think that kind of developed different things for me that other people might not have developed until later on in life. Yeah. For just sure. because of, of that uh, circumstance. Yeah. So I know, um, I know we talked offline about this, but, uh, carry optics nationals, uh, obviously is coming yeah. up. Um, if you were able to get in, right. Like what, what is your goal? If, if you're able to shoot carry optics nationals, what are you aiming for? What are you realistic about in terms of like your match performance compared to the heavy heat that's going to be at this match? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I definitely think I'm constantly improving. You know, every major I go to, it seems like I, I gain more knowledge definitely and am able to implement that into training and, and improve in areas where I had weaknesses. Um, and I've so far, the majors have been shooting, um, Kentucky one master class and was running with, uh, Trace Decker the whole day. Uh, and then about halfway, he started to pull away. Um, but that's, that's the difference between a GM and a master class. Yeah. I didn't, I shot very consistently throughout the day. Uh, but I didn't feel like I blew anything out of the water. It was just consistent across the board. And I think that's how I got the master class win, but I needed to, I needed to, uh, really burn some stages down to, to run with trace a little bit closer. Yeah. Um, but I still was 90, 91, some percent of him. And then at, uh, PA state championship, uh, that was honestly, that was a great match for me in a lot of aspects, but it was also a bad match. I hurt myself basically five mics doesn't help. Uh, that's, that was the, yeah, that one, that one stung a little bit. Um, but I had super fast overall time. Um, the top guys I had them beat time-wise by six plus seconds. So I, I know the speeds there. It's just, I, I needed to reel in the hits a little bit better and, you know, pull some of those mics onto the cardboard. Um, I kind of, I've, some of the guys in my inner circle know me for the phrase, but how I, how I kind of, describe the classification system so d to gm is your guys up to master class they have the horsepower and a lot of guys that are into cars will understand this i'm not sure if you will but i think you will because you got a toyota Tacoma, right yeah you know what horsepower is right yeah yeah we're good we're good no i'm just kidding but um so they have the horsepower but they can't get it to the ground so it's more of a drag racing um analogy in that you know, if you're just painting pavement at the start line and the other guy's running down the drag strip, you're, you're going to lose that race. So I, I think, as I would say, I have the horsepower and can see that in the time, but I need to get it to the ground in that I need to reel my hits in. I need to cut out uh, deficiencies and, and try and optimize everything overall. Okay. But um, nationals, I think a very realistic, um, placement is a uh, top 10%. I think I can pull that off. Um, and if I had 
a fabulous day, spectacular three days, shot my heart out every day. Um, I think I could probably crack top 20, maybe top 10. I don't know. I mean, it's, I would have to really push for that, but it's also, you know, it's, we got time to time to build between now and then time to lock things in. But I think top 10% is definitely, that's, that's a realistic goal for me. Um, yeah. If I can, if I can get there, if I can get to Talladega, that's, that's going to be the first goal. Huh. Yeah, that that bucket thing. So I saw today, like you were at the range, um, even though you're traveling, right? That was today. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah I uh, know the match director for uh, this main match, Zach Greenery. Um, and uh, I, I spoke with him last week about, uh, I explained my situation that we were going on family vacation and I signed up to shoot this match, but <laughs> it would be like almost 10 days with no live fire before the match. And some people will say, you know, big whoop or whatever. And to me, I don't like going into a major match doing that. I like to at least have some dry fire. Yeah. So right before we started this, I, uh, I went to the range that the uh, main match is going to be held at and talked with Zach and he gave me a bay and some target stands. And I had a little, uh, little practice session, like okay. 200 rounds or so. Um, super grateful to Zach Greenier um, and the Trident Armory shooting team. Very yeah, grateful. Sure. But mean, um, yeah. What drills are you running to like in, in live fire? What does that look like before a major match? So before a major match, I really try to um, just zero back in on like fundamental stuff, like grip, recoil control, transitions, um, really getting visual patience dialed in and just my vision overall. Um, tight and right but uh i don't do a whole lot of movement stuff before a major at least this year uh, i would like to start doing a little bit more movement stuff but i think i do i do enough of that weeks prior that the week before for some reason this year the week before has just been super busy for me so i don't have enough time to like implement movement into into live fire i just have time to just go out you know stand and deliver type shooting sure um but I, yeah, I do a lot of build drills. I think build drills are, are extremely beneficial to developing uh, that hyper fast uh, vision speed that you need to be able to track that dot in recoil while that slide is cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for carry optics, opens a little bit different game and rifles and stuff. But uh, and then I do a lot of Blake drills. I think that's good for building your transitions to, you know, wicked fast speeds, just Blake drills at seven yards. Um, something I've actually started since area five last year was I only shoot tux targets now. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, so last year at area five, I had four or five mics all on tux targets within three yards. I believe it. This is what the the GMs, I was funny. Like we, yeah, someone this weekend and then a class I took was like, oh yeah, GMs will miss, you know, open paper, but also Texas at three yards. <laughs> That's their hardest well, turn. Yeah, and and people don't understand. They'll look at like someone shooting whatever drill you want to name and they're like, well, that's not that hard to put six rounds in an yeah. ASO and it's seven yards. It's like, yeah, if you go at the speed of a sloth, I mean, if you're trying to push speed and constantly just trying to go to that next level, shave that 10th of a second off, and shoot it under two seconds, under second and three quarters, second and a half. It's hard. It's very hard, especially to keep those hits nice and tight. It's very hard to do that. Um, and 
that's why people see GMs miss those targets. And they're like, how is that possible? It's like, cause they're trying to push, they're going 120% into that target. And sometimes you come up short. Yeah. So would you ever actually go take a class? And the reason I asked that it's kind of funny. Um, I'm taking a couple, I took one this weekend. Trace was in the class as well. And he looks yep. at me, he's like, I wish I had done this three years ago. And I'm like, no shit, because the better shooters, the better, I mean, instructors in general, but like those better shooters are going to be able to teach you as a Mason Lane class, by the way, are going to be able to teach yep. you the things that you're doing wrong to get to that elite level, or they're going to be able to see the things that you don't see. And for Trace, I mean, he's going to have to unlearn some things, even though he's at the GM level, right? Like there are things that he, bad habits, right? That he's kind of gotten that might is a, a half a second, right? Difference, but that's what matters at the top. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at all these majors and, and nationals first through 10th is not separated by much, you know, it's not, we're talking fractions of a percent. I mean, if you, if you just look at Max and JJ Ricasa and how they've battled each other throughout <laughs> the years, they've won matches by tenths of points, yep. tenths of a point, Max wins the match, 10th of a point, JJ wins the match. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it takes, you know, and is there some luck involved in that? I would be more inclined to say to a degree, you know, but as Jerry Mitchell says, better be lucky than good any day. So, <laughs> yeah. So class, maybe. It's hard because I, I have been on the like self-taught journey sure. for like a while and I'm very stubborn on that and that like i i, I want to do it myself and you can talk to anyone that knows me i'm very like obstinate to to learn from other people like it's very hard but for me to learn from other people i'll challenge you this you haven't been alone you've got a mom and dad that have helped you you've that's got true friends. yeah not Loophole. done, Loophole. Not done. Come on. taylor freelance like you said you said Springco, right Sprinko and the newest one, uh, Black Bullets International, just uh, picked me up. So shooting with uh, Brennan Conaway and uh, all those guys in Black Bullets. So very grateful just for that as don't well. Become, just don't become a rotten boy. <laughs> no. And some people, people listening will know. Some people will probably watch this and be like, what? screw this guy. He just wants to learn on his own. He never wants any help. No. It's like, no, no I yeah, and and I I understand that perspective, and they can have that perspective. It's more of just like a. It's so funny because the more I talk about this, the more I see I have a buddy that's like this in the gym. Any external motivation, he gets super pissed if you give him any external motivation, like where where you're like one more rep or anything like that. He just goes incendiary. I mean, it's just, uh, and I, I I'm starting to see similarities there, but um. I think that's honestly what it is. It's just, I, I want to do it independently because I almost subconsciously see it as a weakness if I learn from someone else. And some people say that that's psychologically flawed and I would agree. It is it's very psychologically flawed. <laughs> I live with two psychologists, so I, I would know. Brother and Fair mom, enough. both. Fair enough. So I will, we'll let you be. But I think when, when you get there and you're like frustrated and I think that you like go take a class, you're I'm, like... I'm, I'm definitely, it's more open now than ever. You know, I, I, I actually was just looking at some different classes, um, the other day from Ben Stoger. Um, I was looking in September, I want to say in Kentucky. So, yeah. Um, the biggest thing, 
again, like it's, it's, it's come down to uh, like budget for me, money. And that like, uh, I look at it as like, okay, I go take a class and spend $300 at a minimum just to get into the class. And then you have probably that in your food and fuel and your, all your travel expenses. And then now ammo's increased. So you're going to be shooting Ben Soder's class. You're probably shooting a minimum of a thousand rounds. Oh yeah. So you're a thousand. I mean, you're, you're looking wrapped up together. You're looking at a grand bare minimum to take one of these classes. And it's just like college student. I know. Snowmobiler. All this, all of these stuff, you can tick them all off. And it's like that money isn't there. That's the hard thing with me. And, and, that's kind of where I get the, you know, El Cheapo on the gear is that like, I look at it as why would I get a different hanger when yeah, I can take that money and go spend it on primers and get better shooting, you know, yeah. by buying a thousand primers or something like that. And that's kind of my perception on the class. But I, of course, know that if, if I did the class, I would probably grow exponentially for sure um, just from taking one class. But it's, it's really just a, an economic thing for me just because you know then that takes away from matches too because then that's money that i can't spend to go shoot matches i get it Um, the sport is not cheap (laughs) at some point yeah i got too many expensive sports kenzie it's just it's just too much no deals it's crazy at least least if you pursue engineering you'll make decent money um (laughs) that's true that's 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 the uh, thing my mom is always driving she's like you got to be an engineer so you can pay for all this stuff and i'm like yeah you're right not wrong um okay you mentioned primers so let's talk about that actually um reloading so what is your like recipe for carry optics uh that you're using um so i've used a couple different bullets over the years but um what i've grown to really like is black bullets obviously i wouldn't be shooting them if i didn't (laughs) i didn't like but their bullet is uh from what i've tested and i've tested a lot of different bullets from probably a dozen different companies and half a dozen or more different bullet weights um, with different loads and stuff. Um, and black bullet seems to be the most consistent for me. Uh, their coating seems to be uh, very reliable in uh, thickness because you'll see some companies, especially going through uh, the last couple of years, QC has kind of been questionable for some companies and that like, their high-tech polymer coating um, is a little bit thicker, you know, so it won't seat uh, in the casing properly. And then you might get, uh, you might get one jammed in the chamber or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Black Bullets throughout all of that has been super consistent, extremely great with shipping. Um, all the bullet weights are, I've weighed thousands of them and they're all, you know, I shoot the 125 grain conicals. So they're like a truncated cone and they're, right on 125 always within a grain so they're they're extremely consistent um and then powder i use tight group okay yeah i figured i I was just talking to a couple of people about that in the past few weeks and a lot of people (laughs) kind of scowl at me it's dirty it's all it's hard human being for using that and i'm like well it's economical that's the whole thing for me if you've noticed there's a trend in all this it's 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 all about follow the money all the money. Comes. Oh, I know. I know. So but, what is um, your, your power yeah. factor? Uh, I like to be right around like 129 to 131. So 130, call it basically. Yeah. Um, buy at um, Chrono. I think the lowest I've ever done is like 125.8. <laughs> but that 
that was not my fault because it was at a match that I will not name. Um, they put all of our chrono rounds in an ice cold cooler. Why? Uh, did I cut out there? Yeah, see, they put all your rounds in a cooler, and I asked, why would they do that? That's the same question that we all had, um, because we got to Chrono, and opened. Uh, <laughs> they opened the cooler, and we just thought they had it in a cooler. And it's like, that's okay, because they don't want them in like direct sunlight. That's but right. then there was ice in the cooler, and we're like, that. how was that fair? Like, Because most of our powder is, tempor like, sure, is temperature yep. sensitive. Yep. For now, there were a couple guys on our squad that had powder that was uh, inverse temperature sensitive, so their power factors were like through the Way roof. <laughs> yeah, and but all of us guys shooting normal powder, it was it was bad. Um, Confusing. But that was the closest I've ever got. Most of the time, it's right around one thirty. That's where I like to shoot them. I'm not a super believer in you know one thirty six point two power factors like the perfect load or. I don't, I don't think you should punish yourself like unnecessarily. I don't think you need to shoot 140 in a CO gun uh, to prove anything. It's like, yeah, there's a floor, there's a power factor floor for a reason. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just in general, so switching gears, I know that there is a lot right now in the country going on for sure. Um, for you, I mean, again, like you're still underage ish, but like, how do you feel about like what you're going to do when you turn of age to conceal carry or or get involved with the Second Amendment and stuff like that? Like, what's important to you? Um, absolutely, we'll be concealed carrying as soon as I turn 21. I mean, if I could concealed carry right now, I'd be doing it. Um, I definitely believe in, you know, building skill, being ready. Uh, you know, we've seen in recent times different people that have been put in horrible, horrible situations that were carrying, and thank God they were um, proficient with their, with their yeah. firearm. And rose to the occasion and uh, and stopped the threat, and were able to save countless innocent lives. And I think that's that's absolutely crucial. That if you're going to carry a firearm, you need to need to get proper training and understand forward and backwards, left to right, north and south of everything on that pistol and your abilities too. Yep. You know, know what you're capable of. If you're not capable of making a 40 yard shot, mm -hmm. then don't try to do that in a you know a public yep. uh, you know active shooter situation you know and, but i recommend you need to be able to do that so you should build skill to that point to where you can do that um yeah i've absolutely 100 percent support uh can still carry and will be um uh, as soon as i can but uh pa you know 21 and we have uh, a permit carried so yeah yep awesome no i'm excited for you um just in general too like what what do you i know you're pursuing your career in like college and all that but what would you want to get out of uh, shooting? Like what's that future look like or your big dream? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, part of me wants to say it's changed over time, but it, it really hasn't. The goal for me um, is to be uh, as dominant of a shooter as like Max is. That's my goal is to just be that absolutely dominant that it's just, incredibly hard to beat and to some people that might seem egotistical and it's just i don't see it as that i see it as more of a of just being an elite level person and putting in the work you know putting yeah. in the hours putting in the time to get to that point you know and the people that complain about that or would complain about that they're not putting in the time yeah. you know i i guess i guess if you had to say the ultimate goal like what 
will I feel accomplished? I don't think I'd ever feel accomplished, but the top tier thing is winning worlds. I want to win worlds. Okay. So, um, some people are going to judge the hell out of that, but, uh, I don't care. That's, that's the goal. Every single person that ever got a national title or a world title has told themselves that they're going to do it and told other people they're going to do it and been determined to do it. Um, I mean, since I saw the first day of the 2014 worlds when Max was shooting and I followed that all throughout every day, um, that was kind of I'm like, I, that's what I want to do right there. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I want to do that. I want to get that title. That's what I want. Okay. So. Look, I'll, I'll be watching. I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything that I um, didn't cover, didn't ask you or left out or any final tips of wisdom that you want to leave people with? Um, I mean, I, we covered everything. Um, I think, I think a very crucial, um, point to this entire, uh, experience here uh is is that you you can you can get into into the shooting sports for an economical rate you know you can get into things i I don't i don't have expensive gear um it's all you know like i said before the indian not the arrow you know it's about building yourself as a individual building up your proficiencies um you don't you don't need expensive you don't need expensive gear. You don't need to, to go out and buy a Mark Seven reloading press and uh, you know Infinity Open Gun. You know, I'm loading on a Lee Loadmaster, which a lot of people are gonna shun at. But yeah, Lee Loadmaster is what I what I, I use do. with the Canic, and it's all you know it's all very economical equipment. And you know the I think that should be a extremely um, big point for manufacturers to focus on. Uh, is allowing people to get into shooting sports and into just the second amendment community and firearms in general uh, at an economical rate, because a lot of times people get priced out and um, that's just unfortunate because we're losing people that we could have had as supporters and more people can still carry more people getting involved in shooting sports, all those different things. We could have been growing the community more overall, but we're losing it because of them being priced out and because of, you know, our current situation with supply lines. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if, if you, if you have a goal, you know, if you have, if you have a, an idea in mind that you, that you want to pursue, you know, there's no better time to chase it than right now, you know, because it's not going to chase you back. hundred percent. hundred percent. No matter what, where you are at in life, what age, what time, whatever start or yeah. Like you start- said, Right now, not not next Tuesday, not Monday, not in thirty minutes. Right now, yep. start right now. You'll never regret it, certainly. And if if you if you have the grit to get it done, you know you'll you'll be extremely proud of yourself and your accomplishments. And you'll, you'll always remember that as being a great journey to the to the finish line. You know, and always always look one hundred and fifty meters past the hundred meter mark, as my old track coach used to say. I like that. I like that. Awesome, Lane. Well, uh, how do you want to leave listeners with like your social media um, sponsors? I know you've mentioned before if you want to have take time to thank them or anything like that. Uh, so social media wise, I just have Instagram. It's lane.nelson.shooting on, on IG. Um, that's the only social media I have at the moment. Um, I post shooting stuff, but other stuff too. Um, uh, like I said, different interests. but. Um, 
extremely grateful for all my sponsors. You know, everyone I've picked up, Black Bullets International, Sprinkle USA, Taylor Freelance, Paper and Seal Apparel Company. Um, super big on all those guys. They've been extremely supportive, very gracious. Um, and I'm very thankful for, for their support and hopefully can make them proud for, you know, many years to come. Love it. Love it. Well, Lane, thank you for joining me on podcast. Hopefully we squat up again together. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait to see your parents. They <laughs> can't wait to see you either. <laughs> I make quite the impression and there's no middle of people. They either love me or hate They're, me. Yeah, they, they, mom, <laughs> mom keeps talking about it. She can't wait to see you. Oh, love it. Cool. Well, all you listeners of the Ready Flop podcast, stay tuned for more coming soon. Uh, go follow this impressive young gentleman. He is maybe the next world champion. Who knows? So I know I'll be watching. So pressure's on, Lane. <laughs> all right. I'll take it. Awesome. Stay tuned, guys, for the next episode of the Reticle Up Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Young Kenzie.